before us is John chapter 16 verses 8 to 11 when the Lord sends the Spirit of God into the world after his resurrection and ascension and he's going to reprove the world convict the world illuminate the minds of the world the three things to sin to righteousness and to judgment as our Lord could say in John 8 24 if you believe not that I am he you will die in your sins now, the second thing he's going to reprove the world is with respect to righteousness. As I read in verse 10, he's going to reprove the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The very righteous life of Christ is a rebuke to man. And he was absolute in righteousness. He never sinned. In him is no sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He was without sin. The very fact that our Savior was raised from the dead and exalted to God's right hand means that God is going to judge men not only with respect to sin, but also with respect to righteousness. He's going to convict the world of righteousness because God has vindicated the work of Christ. He's taken him back to heaven. Now, the third thing that the Spirit of God convicts the world of is in verse 11 going to convict the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study in the ministry of the Holy Spirit finishes up with His work towards the world. In John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus tells us that He will send the Holy Spirit, who will in turn convince the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Dr. Mitchell finishes up this series on the Holy Spirit, and he will be looking at the last two things in which the Holy Spirit will confront the unbelieving world. And these are the righteousness of Christ himself and the judgment of the ruler of this world, who is the devil. Now, the entire focus of the Spirit of God to the world is on the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11 with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast to conclude our study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. We continue our studies in the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world. And the passage before us is John chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. When the Lord sends the Spirit of God into the world after his resurrection and ascension, he has a special work to do with the world. And he's going to reprove the world, convict the world, illuminate the minds of the world, the three things, 
to sin, to righteousness, and to judgment. We were dealing in our last lesson with the fact that he's going to judge the world with respect to sin. And the great sin that keeps people from eternal life is the sin of the rejection of Jesus Christ. That is, not to put your trust in the Savior means death. As our Lord could say in John 8, 24, if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, judgment. That's Hebrews 9, 27. Remember, the great issue is Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news from God, is concerning his Son, not concerning some religion or some organization or some uh, ordinance you may go through, but your relationship to Jesus Christ, God's Son. Where do you stand in your relationship to Jesus Christ? That's the first thing. He's going to reprove the world of sin. Now, the second thing he's going to reprove the world is with respect to righteousness. As I read in verse 10, he's going to reprove the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The very righteous life of Christ is a rebuke to man. Remember that when Jesus lived among men, this was God's example of how a man should live. But we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. How should men live just like Jesus Christ? And he was absolute in righteousness. He never sinned. In him is no sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He was without sin. He could challenge his enemies, which one of you convict me of sin? The very fact that our Savior was raised from the dead and exalted to God's right hand means that God is going to judge men not only with respect to sin, but also with respect to righteousness. But man doesn't have any righteousness. That's true. But God, who is righteous, must judge in righteousness. Listen, friend. When it comes to the question of sin... You're dealing with a righteous God. Oh, but you say, God deals with me in love and in mercy. Ah, he deals in love and in mercy on one ground, on the ground that he has provided a Savior. For here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the redeeming sacrifice for us. He sent his Son that we might live through him. For me or for you to talk about the God of mercy, the God of love, the God of compassion, then I've got to go to the place where he demonstrated his love, his tenderness and his compassion and his mercy. That's at the cross. But if I spurn Jesus Christ's work at the cross, if I spurn the righteous Savior who vindicated the righteousness of God, then, my friend, I must meet that very same Savior as a judge. For I read in John chapter 5, starting in at verse 22 and running right on through the passage, where I find that Jesus Christ 
has been made the judge. The righteous one has been made the judge. For you remember, we read Jesus saying, The Father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment to the Son, because he is the Son of Man. He said, As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, is righteous. And when you speak of the Spirit of God judging the world with respect to righteousness because Jesus Christ not only died but was raised again and went into the very presence of God to be a prince and a savior. But if I spurn him, I reject him, the righteous one, there's nothing left but eternal judgment. Oh, listen, my friend. Let me say very clearly, the impossibility of you and me ever standing in the presence of God without righteousness. And how glad I can say with, with John Bunyan of old. John Bunyan was, after he became a Christian, and you know, John Bunyan was delivered out of a life of sin. He was a cursing, bitter, blasphemous tinker. He, when I say tinker, he was the man who mended pots, and they called them tinkers. And after he was saved, he didn't know much about the Lord, but he did know that Christ was his Savior and that Christ was his righteousness. And one day with his conscience slashed because of failure, discouraged and disheartened, a verse came unto him, Jesus Christ has been made unto you, John Bunyan, righteousness. He jumped the fence and shouted out, Hallelujah. My righteousness is at the right hand of God, where my good works cannot help it, and where my failures do not hurt it. Oh, how wonderful, how wonderful, how wonderful, that when a sinner accepts the Savior, he stands before an eternal God in all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But what if I spurn him? What if I'm indifferent to him? What if I reject him? He's going to convict me of righteousness. Well, Mr. Mitchell, I'm keeping the law as best I can. I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm trying to keep the Golden Rule. But listen, friend, the law demands righteousness, and you don't have any. You just don't have any. And until a person accepts Jesus Christ as Savior, until that time they have no righteousness, they're dead in trespasses and sins. But oh, what, a, what good news. If you come as a sinner, just as you are, with all your frailty and weakness and sicknesses and sin, I don't care what it is, and you come before the Savior and bow before him and accept him as your own personal Savior, trusting as him as the one who died for your sin, friend, then you stand before God in all the righteousness and beauty of Christ. Wouldn't you like to accept such a Savior? Oh, he's going to convict the world, not only of sin, of unbelief, but he's going to convict the world of righteousness because God has vindicated the work of Christ He's taking him back to heaven. Now, the third thing that the Spirit of God convicts the world of 
is in verse 11. He's going to pick, convict the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. You see, when a person rejects the Savior, they're rejecting the testimony of God concerning his Son, whom he raised from the dead. And the Spirit of God convicts men of this. But now of judgment, why? Because the prince of this world is judged. Now you may ask the question, who in the world is the prince of this world? We said a while ago he was the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. But he's also the God of this world. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who is the prince of this world? Satan. In chapter 14 of John, in verse 30, I read, Jesus said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me. Now I read in verse 11 of chapter 16 of John. The Spirit of God is going to judge the world with respect to judgment because the prince of this world is judged. If the one man you are following, if the prince of this world, Satan is the one you are following, this one who has already been judged, he's already been defeated, then, my friend, if you follow him, you'll end up where he is. And the Spirit of God convicts the world of this. What God wants you to know, my unsaved friend, is that Satan, who is the god of this age and the prince of this world, that is, he's the god of this age religiously, he's the, god of this, he's the prince of this world governmentally. And if I do not accept the Savior, then there's only one person I'm joined to, and that's the prince of this world. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light, where Christ reigns. There is the kingdom of darkness, where the devil, Satan, the adversary, reigns. Either you, you are in the kingdom where we have eternal life, or you belong to the kingdom where death reigns ending in eternal death. You see, when a person accepts the Savior, according to Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says we've been translated, we've been changed, we've been removed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Where are you today? Where are you today? Are you in the kingdom of darkness where death reigns, or are you in the kingdom of light where we reign in life by one Christ Jesus? My friend, there are no fences. And between the two kingdoms is the cross. And when one who is in the kingdom of darkness where Satan is its prince and its God, and you turn to Jesus Christ, and you receive him as your own personal Savior, you put your trust in him, God then translates you 
removes you from the kingdom of darkness and puts you into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And everyone in the kingdom of God's dear Son has been forgiven their trespasses. They've been cleansed from sin. They are the recipients of eternal life. They are covered with the righteousness of Christ. They are joined to the Savior himself and are guaranteed eternal glory. Whereas in the kingdom of darkness, you're guaranteed eternal night. But when you come to the last book of the Bible where God is giving to us his purpose for the earth and for man, I read that those whose names are not in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, someone might say, but just a minute, Dr. Mitchell, I don't believe in a literal lake of fire. Well, friend, if this is only a picture, and I'm not going to argue with you, but if the lake of fire is only a picture, then God deliver me from the real thing. And when you come to the last chapter of Revelation, these whose names are not in the book of life, they're cast out of his presence into outer darkness. You remember in the 13th chapter of John when Judas had determined to betray his Lord for 30 pieces of silver? I read in that book, John's Gospel, chapter 13, he went out from the presence of the Lord, and it was night, having chosen darkness to light, having chosen sin to grace, having chosen the prince of this world to the Son of God. There's nothing left but night. And the Spirit of God is informing you that Satan is already has already been judged. He has already been defeated. And the Spirit of God is here to convict men of this thing. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, I read, Our Lord became a man, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. In other words, Satan has been shorn of his power, of his authority over death. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, I read that Jesus Christ has on his girdle the authority of death and of hell. And if you or I or anyone else rejects Jesus Christ as Savior, friend, there's nothing left but to be where he is. And the last two chapters of Revelation tell us he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And all those who have spurned the Savior and by that action have declared they would prefer the devil to Christ. But Mr. Mitchell, you see, I, I don't prefer the devil to Christ. But friend, you're already dead in sin. You're already in the kingdom of darkness. You're already without life and without hope and without God. What are you going to do? The Spirit of God is here to convict you of sin because you believe not on Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is here to convict you of righteousness because not only did he live a sinless life, but he died for you and God raised him from the dead. And it's 
exalted him to be a prince and a savior, the righteous one who was spurned by the world. And God gives a guarantee that of the righteousness of Christ. And he's now at the right hand of God with all authority. And the Spirit of God is convicting you of your rejection of him. And then the Spirit of God is convicting you of judgment because the one whom you're following is already judged. The prince of this world is judged. So you must make a choice between Christ the Savior or Satan who is already judged. The issue, my friend, the issue is not your frailty. The issue is your relationship to Jesus Christ or your relationship to the enemy of your soul, the devil, Satan, the adversary. So the Spirit of God is in the world today convicting men of sin because they believe not on him, on Jesus, of righteousness because he has been raised from the dead and exalted to God's right hand, given all authority, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And as I am talking to you, you are either in the kingdom of darkness, where death reigns, where Satan rules, or you are in the kingdom of God's dear Son. And the only way you can get from one to the other, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son, is to put your trust in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you. For this is a faithful saying, and worthy of your acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I just trust that you will put your trust in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And then all these truths we've been talking to you about, the ministry of the Spirit of God, where you're born of the Spirit and sealed by the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit of God and baptized by the Spirit, can be yours. This is what God does the moment you accept the Savior. He not only puts away your sin and gives you life eternal, makes you one of his redeemed, but he also declares that you're born of the Spirit. You become members of his family, and then your body becomes a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. And then you're sealed in Christ until the day when your body will be transformed. And he baptizes you into the church, the body of Christ. The very moment you take him as your Savior, I trust. This will be your experience today, and may the Lord grant that everyone who listens to me today is sure of the fact that they have put their trust in God's dear Son and thus pass from death to life. The Lord bless you today for his name's sake. Are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.